0: All right, let me introduce you to the speaker. I met him uh, this summer. We had a link conference. Uh, uh, it's a fellowship of churches and ministers that I, my wife and I are a part of. Uh, it's through Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok and Res Life Church, and uh, Johnny Verrikin now oversees it. Anyway, it was a summer get-together for lead pastors and their wives. My wife and I went, and uh, Michael Smiley was there to talk about marriage, and he was funny and impacting, and I thought it'd be great to have him come and be a blessing for us. And because of a variety of circumstances, we have him here tonight, as well as Saturday night and twice on Sunday. And I said, can you do two different messages on Sunday? He says, yes, I'll do two different messages on Sunday, so you can come for both. He says, I never remember what I said the first time, so every message is different. (laughs) Very good. I don't know if you remember his father. He was very, uh, very popular uh, marriage ministry, Dr. Gary Smalley, the Smalley Institute. I don't know. I have these books, read them, For Better or Best, and If Only He Knew. I think he also, did he write uh, Hidden Value of a Man? Yes, got that one as well. Uh, And so he has taken over. His father passed away a few years ago. He's taken over for his father's ministry. Uh, Michael is married to his wife, Amy. They have three kids, Cole, Reagan, and David. They've been helping couples for over 20 years. Being a part of the team that created and developed the marriage intensive model has been one of the highlights of his professional careers. It is an honor to help couples get unstuck and resolve their biggest conflicts. One of the things he said in the summer that really ministered to me was that uh, it's really very simple, very simple. It's not as complicated as we make it. Getting unstuck and really having a good marriage. So he adds lots of humor. I'm so excited that he's with us here tonight. Let's give him a great cornerstone welcome. Can we do that? Come on up. Appreciate that. Yes, God bless Every you. Time. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, thank you. I just hope you feel the same way later. <laughs> so, uh, just know God uses me to break the spirit of pharmaceutical hearts, which means I'm generally very inappropriate and I don't know all the Christian rules. Is anyone else like that? It's like all these dang unwritten rules that I'm totally clueless of, so I am constantly getting in trouble. I bet you're real excited that you brought me now, Tim. You're gonna get a lot of emails.
0: I'm still trying to get past them red shoes. Oh, yeah. I think that broke the rules right there. Yes,
1: these are very nice. Just keep your eyes on the shoes, not the goods. Sorry, I'm very overconfident about my looks because I've lost 135 pounds. Yes, thank you. So, if I see, if I come across unreasonably cocky about my handsomeness, because I used to, this is how much size I lost. Is that crazy? I found an old belt a couple months ago, and I went, ooh, I wonder like how much size, and I put it around, and it literally went that far out. It was a crazy amount. Uh, what, 135 pounds? And I know, now you're wondering what was, you know, how'd you do it? And it's called uh, willpower and self-control. I know, everyone always laughs. Or, or, You remove your stomach. So you would be shocked how much weight you can lose when you have no stomach. It's really amazing. So I had gastric bypass uh, in South Africa. You're starting to get an idea of just how bizarre and outside of the box I am. So it was like a third the cost. I was just concerned that I might wake up post-surgery and also be missing a kidney and <laughs> part of my liver. But uh, it actually, it went really, really well. Uh, so tonight, um, hey, if you don't have tickets for the Comedy of Love show, uh, you really don't want to miss it. That, the first time I did that show was actually in South Africa, and... It's because of my wife. She said it's time, because you'll see tonight, I like to, my comedy is kind of, well, I used to be able to say it was like Bill Cosby, but I know, that's literally like who I learned my comedy from. I memorized all of his stuff. So I'm a storyteller. That's kind of how my shows go, and the story I'm going to share Saturday evening, Um, and you'll want to bring your unsaved friends and neighbors. Because at the very end, it all kind of crescendos into a really precious kind of call to uh, hello, those who are in Christ. You know, it's never over kind of a thing. Um, But uh, (laughs) that show is such a joy to do just because of the looks on people's faces when I tell them what I'm going to talk about. And what I'm going to share. Because you'll be like, what? No. Obviously, he's not. Okay, he is. We're doing this. All right, this is uncomfortable, but it's funny, and God has really used that in powerful ways um so you definitely want to want to be there and there's- like there's still tickets left, right? all right, so I think we have like fifteen people going I'm kidding, more like sixteen no, there's already almost four hundred people going, so it's really going to be a packed house, and that it always gives me a lot of energy and And I will impromptu uh, make fun of Pastor Tim. So my general goal is to get the senior pastor crying before the end of the show because he feels so bad about himself. So it'll be uh, also an evening of roasting Tim, which is what your wife begged me when she called me. He's like, he needs to be humbled, and that's what I do, professionally. So tonight, though, we're going to, I'm going to share a little story about how I met my wife, and it's important because great relationships, was this one inferior? Is it going to fall? Oh, that was very loving. Everybody thinks so-and-so. What's his name? What is it? Pablo? Pablo. You do not look like a Pablo. Maybe a Marco. Or a Polo. Or Marco Polo. Could go with any one of those choices. Uh, So tonight... There's, so everybody knows, right, so I'm not going to get into the Christianese stuff of you need Jesus, obviously. So Jesus is at the core foundation to every person's life. It's it's the thing we need most, okay? So I'm not going to go there, because I know you get a lot of Jesus with Pastor Tim as well. I'm going to go one level up in your foundation to something that I just call grit, because life takes grit. How many of you, especially in a marriage, how many of you have been married 20 years or more? <laughs> wow. it's a lot of old people. <laughs> I'm on 25, and if you've been married 20 years or more, if you've been married a month or more, you know, marriage is harder than you anticipated. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, especially 20 years, man, there is some stuff that has gone down. Things that you have said to each other that have been devastating to your heart. Some of you have been divorced, and that's not very fun. Um, And so, truthfully, one of those layers that a lot of people don't talk about is just simply grit. And do you know what I mean by grit? I don't mean true grit like the movie, which that did have a lot of grit, right? But I define grit as uh, passion and perseverance, Passion is an intense desire or enthusiasm for something, strong and barely controllable emotion, a thing arousing enthusiasm. Perseverance is steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Other words for perseverance, persistence, tenacity, determination, staying power, steadfastness, purposefulness. Feels like I said those already. But grit, and I love this, I got this on dictionary.com, grit, firmness of character, indomitable spirit, and my new favorite word, pluck. We still use the word pluck, like I can see that 1920s, you know, boxer, Ah, he's got a lot of pluck, and you have to be very careful when you say the word pluck, and I used to have a very bad speech impediment, so... Things can go south very quickly for me. So that's what grit is. And the reason I'm going to encourage you that sometimes you just, it's patience. It's holding on by the hair of your chinny, chin, chin when it gets difficult. Because the truth about divorce is the vast majority of them don't have to happen. They just don't, and, and there is no shame, judgment, or condemnation for those who are in Christ, so I, I always get paranoid talking about this, but truth is the truth, and sometimes it does hurt, and I know, because I, I counsel. I've been doing that 25 years. I know people, many who went through divorce, and still they do regret, and they realize because they finally got the healing they needed in their second marriage, and they realize, ah, oh, if I had just waited... Right? Sometimes you need to wait to allow your spouse or your child or your parent or your sibling enough time to get influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we sing about it, but do we really believe it? Right? And the craziest thing, I'm just going to throw this one out there, is that the average Christian post-divorce is remarried under a year. So can you just start spreading the word, that's insane? I mean, the damage to your heart that happens during a divorce, that's years of healing that you need. That is, I mean, you need to get yourself right before you should ever start looking for someone new. That's just free advice for you. So far, most of you are like, this isn't overly funny. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about grip because I don't, you know, oftentimes people get hung up on their story. Right? So and especially if it was like you, you guys got married because you got pregnant, or you just kind of rushed, or you just didn't think anything through, or you married someone who wasn't saved, and, and they think all of our problems are because, well, no, I don't really care. I don't care what your story is, because I have like the story book love story in the history of all love stories. And I met my wife at Baylor University. At the end of my freshman year, she was trying out for cheerleader at Baylor, and it's a big deal. We call it Dia Del Oso, Day of the Bear, and all the student body comes out to watch. And you actually get a judge and vote for uh, which. There's like three to four hundred girls that are trying out for six spots. It's like a big deal. And two of my buddies had a friend that they called frequent passerbyer, and it was Amy. And Amy is a lifetime type of beauty. Like, she's like those Hollywood kind of beauty that just keeps getting better looking. Like, when she, when we have three kids, when she would get pregnant, I would gain weight with her because it's the only time she was ever undisciplined. And then I would put on 20, 30 pounds. She would be back to her regular weight within, like, two to three weeks. I mean, it's like, I, sometimes I wonder if she's not an alien. Because it was like, hey, why are you skinny again? Oh, no. We had to stop after three because I'd, put on 60 pounds and it just went up from there because at that point it's like who cares and so uh the first time I ever met her and and I will never forget this and what's really sad is she does not remember our first encounter because I am not that spectacular with the ladies I was very shy and so I'm with my two friends they're like hey me and she like turns around her hair is blowing in the wind she's in a cheerleading costume I'm like holy mother of, and I'm, my very first thought, the first time I ever saw her, was I'm going to meet that girl, get married, and have babies, because that was my goal. I know women are always given a hard time that, oh, you're just here for your MRS degree. I was straight up there for my MR degree, and I can prove that, because remember in third grade on career day, and, and every little kid stands up and like, little Johnny, what are you going to be when you grow up? When they got to little Michael Thomas Smalley and I went to this stupid school for 10 years and my third grade teacher never let me live this down, on career day, what does the average nine-year-old little boy want to be when he grows up? Firefighter. Firefighter, policeman, astronaut, no, no. I stood up and said, I am going to be a husband and a father. <laughs> that was my life goal. And I wanted to get married before I graduated college. And so for me to think that was a big deal, right? That's like the biggest thing on my heart is I wanted to meet my wife. And here's this gorgeous thing. And let's just be, I hate the term love at first sight because there is no such thing as love. There's lust at first sight, which is fine. I'm not criticizing lust, but, the, you know, feeling attracted and the butterflies in your tummy. Well, you find out really quick, especially in marriage, that that goes away fast, right and then we get really old not that old people are unattractive I don't want that message to be taken away but you know what I'm talking about right things change and so lust is a very very bad thing to base a relationship on now love is something way better because love is actually not an emotion love is a decision Love is a choice, love is an action, every one of Christ's commands is something I individually have to do for another person or God, right? So here I am like, oh, and I'm just crazy going, why, how am I going to get, well, she comes right at me, I'm like, okay, you can't say we're going to get married and have babies. And that's all that's in my head is, don't say you're going to get married and have babies. That's going to be weird. It's not going to come across right. She's like, hey, I'm Amy. And all I could muster was, (laughs) I had some drool coming down. Which, by the way, I actually grew this beard. This is as good as I can do. For you Michiganders. I know. Because you guys have some really good beards. I don't. I don't feel like that was overly clapworthy, But thank you. Thank you for that. That was very loving. So I don't even say a word to her, but for the next two weeks, I'm obsessed over how am I going to meet this girl, because you can't just walk up to her and go, hey, can I take you out to coffee or to a movie, because that would be normal. In fact, who here can very quickly, like, what do you guys, like, the guys in this area or Michiganders, uh, what do you typically, what did you do to kind of get the interest of a lady. Not all at once. Dinner and a movie. Wow. What? Poetry? Oh, getting better. Poetry. Loser. Can anyone do better than poetry? What? Dancing? Oh, maybe he is a Pablo. Well done. Dancing, poetry, and <laughs> what every couple does on date night. <laughs> that, that would actually be mine. Nature walk. Nature walk is also very nice. There, you've redeemed yourself. You can stay married. <laughs> so, um, well, after weeks of obsessing, like, how can I get this girl to notice me and start dating and get married and have babies? Uh, I came up with a brilliant plan. I thought, ooh, I could become a male cheerleader. Oh, yes. I am a a smart dude. I was so intimidated and unable to walk up to her and just, like, like ask a friend about her and just get her number that I decided to get the girl's attention. I'm going to just train for the next year on how to be a male cheerleader. I'll make the squad, meet the girl, we'll start dating, get married, and have babies. So I genuinely, I was a good athlete. Um, and just before you gentlemen start judging me too hard, because the rumors about military leading are highly accurate, <laughs> I got hit on a lot <laughs> by other dudes, and I was so passive and timid, I would, they would, like, guys would literally go, hey, I'd like to take you out. I just want to say I really appreciate the interest, but... Um, Unfortunately, I'm not gay. Really? I know. I'm a male cheerleader. But I couldn't let anybody know why I was trying to become a male cheerleader, right? Because it could kind of feel like stalking. (laughs) Think about that. It took a year. I didn't have a single conversation with her. I had to make the basketball squad first in the fall, which I did. And then I had to try out the following year. And by an act of God, so if you're here tonight and you, you don't know if you believe in God, Trust me, there is a God, because I had single-handedly the worst tryout in yell-eating, because we actually call it yell-eating, in yell-eating history. I had never done a tumbling run, so I could do a back handspring, I could do a back flip, I had never strung those together. The first time I ever attempted a tumbling run with a succession of backflip flops into a flip was in front of the judges and 5,000 Baylor students. Honestly, it was humiliating because I just I thought, well, because it was like a minimum requirement. So if I didn't do it right then, I I had no chance on making the squad. So I'm like, well, I'm here. I freaked out all the other competitors because I, I asked. They're like talking their tumbling run. I'm like, oh, it's a tumbling run. And they're like, wait, what? You don't know what a tumbling No. And they explained. I went, oh, I've never done that. They're like, dude, it's a minimum requirement. You might as well not do it. And I go, well, I'm all the way here. So... I tried, and I'm pretty sure I did like a serpentine pattern. <laughs> it was like, out, oh! I, I knew I was going to break my neck. And so when I finally was like, you got to just stop, man. Just do your backflip. I did my backflip, convinced I was going to break my neck. When I landed on my feet, I actually went, yes! And like, you could hear the whole crowd just went silent. And they were like, no. But I made it anyways, probably because they needed six guys and only five tried out, (laughs) which is a true story. But I make the squad to meet the girl, get married and have babies. But I still hadn't had an interaction with her. So it's the first day of practice, huge gym, you know, everybody's like on one side. and It's like all the most beautiful girls on campus. So all the cheerleaders, the backup cheerleaders, the song dancers, uh, all these like, Uh, ripped, and I was ripped then too, but uh, gymnasts, guys are doing double twisting things, and I'm like, you're an idiot, and I'm just sitting in a corner on a chair like a dunce, and out of all the people, probably 50, 60 people, guess who walks across the gym to greet me? Amy. I mean, it was like a laser beam. She just came out, I was like, don't say babies. And she's like, hey, you're the new guy. And I'm like, uh-huh. She goes, Hey, well, we're gonna start practicing a pyramid. Have you ever done that? And you know the foundation of any good marriage is deception. So, no, I'd never done a pyramid. And I was like, Yeah, sure I have. So the next thing you know, I am and you know what I'm talking about, those pyramids. And and this one went like four levels high. So there's six guys and we're like this and Beautiful girls are crawling over my body. I was like, this is awesome, because I'd never had that before. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to love this sport. Oh, I forgot to say, before you get too judgy, uh, who here, because I was a four-year letterman in football, basketball, pole vaulting, and tennis, Uh, and who here played high school football? All right, and out of all of you guys who won a state championship as a quarterback and middle linebacker, hmm? no hands? Oh, I did. So you can just shut it, okay, with your judgy judge, because you, I should have a picture of my wife, but it doesn't feel comfortable when I'm saying she's beautiful, because then it's like, you know, that's just weird. Like, look how pretty she is. But you can imagine Tim's wife basically the same thing, because you are also very beautiful, and you are also very gangly and awkward like me. I don't know. I think it's because we make you feel better about yourselves. That's my guess. <laughs> so, um, anyways... Back to the story. So, it, you know, we're doing this pyramid, and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, this is actually going to be really fun. And Amy was the tiniest one, so she was always the tip of the pyramid. So she's crawling up, and it's like, wow, this is so cool. And she gets all the way. She's like 15 feet up in the air. And all of a sudden, the guy next to her goes, my knee! And he, boom, I went, oh, that's bad. I mean, this thing came down so hard. And in the melee, I got knocked onto my back. And so this is me. This would represent Amy's very skinny, bony knee. You see where this is going? From 15 feet in the air, Amy's knee comes hurtling down and hit me perfect in the special spot. I mean, four years of football, I had never been racked this badly in my life. And to make that, so I mean, it was like boom, I'm like, Ugh! but but I couldn't, because you know, guys, who's been hit there hard? Yeah, you know, you just want to curl up in the fetal position and throw up, and that's what, but I couldn't, because I'm 19 years old at the time, and for the first time in my life, I have a female laying on top of me. <laughs> first, no, really, I was a virgin when I got married, because I was terrified, and so I would never had a girl lay on top of me, let alone the most beautiful girl on the planet, let alone in a jog bra and those, like, tight spandex, because these girls wore basically nothing for practice. Every practice was like, oh, my gosh. And so she, with the impact, she goes, boom. I'm like, whoa. She flattened her like a pancake on my body, nose-touching nose. So, simultaneously, I was having two very different biological feelings. Right? Because I got, the the girl of my dreams is like laying on me, and I want to throw up. And I'd never had sex, so I was like, oh my gosh, is this what sex feels like? I mean, I'll I'll put through it, but this is not good. And then... For our first meaningful conversation ever. While peering into my soul and her eyes, actually, honestly, it's her eyes that really got me uh, at first. They're just alive. And so nose to nose, peering into my eyes, laying full body on top of me, Amy says, and I quote, oh did I hit you in the ding-ding? And I'm like, the what? Has anyone ever heard that referred to as a ding-ding? You have? I was like, ding-ding? I'm like, well, she's fully on top of me and probably has a good idea of my general size, and that's what I got, a ding-ding. And I'm just going to tell you, ladies, in the future, if you ever rack a gentleman really hard don't call it, like go with tree trunk, anaconda. Did I hit you in the sycamore? Anything other than ding ding. I was mortified. So fast forward, I'm finally starting like a month, two months into this stupid thing. I'm like, what have you done? But the more I got to know her, And her character and her personality and that she was really on fire for Jesus and uh, strong, independent, uh, bubbly, you know, just, I mean, I was like, holy cow, this is, she's got everything I've ever dreamt of having. And I actually had a list of things I wanted in a wife and she was checking off all of them. I was madly in love with her. And we're driving to practice, finally going to ask her out. And I think she must have sensed this unconsciously because I was driving. She's like, oh, you know, it would be fun. I was like, oh, she's asking me out. You should meet my boyfriend. That's right. I did absolutely no reconnaissance before becoming a male cheerleader. Like, I don't know, seeing if she's been dating someone for three years. Uh Uh-huh. I was like, Uh, 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 what? She's like, yeah, he actually graduated from the University of Texas, which is why they are the devil. (laughs) And he lives up in Dallas. So I was like, all right, well, all's fair in love and war. I'm here. He's over there. We'll see what happens. The ding-ding is on the job. (laughs) And so I thought, whatever. And then... Fast forward a couple more months. We're actually in Dallas. It was Baylor versus SMU. It was a night game. It's actually a wonderful stadium. Uh, the coach, the football coach, used to let me warm up the receivers. So I actually got to throw passes in all of those old South, South what was it, Southwest Conference? Yeah. Um, and so he picked her up earlier from the hotel to take her out to like an early lunch and then was going to drop her off at the stadium. I... When, she, when he dropped her off, I could actually see her uh, being dropped off from the parking lot. And she got out and instantly was, like, looking for me. I was like, oh, why is she looking for me? And she saw me, and she lit up. I went, oh. she dumped him. She's in love with me. And she started running for me. I'm like, oh. And so, like, the Hills Are Alive is playing in the background. I start running towards her. She leaps through the air, wraps her arms around me, wraps her legs around me. I'm like, this is exactly how I've dreamt it. And goes, look, I was the first person she showed her engagement ring to. And what's funny is she remembers that moment, because I went pale white. Because you must understand, I did not tell my father, because you couldn't. He was on radio and TV, and he loved to share personal stories, so there was no <laughs> way I could tell him. I did not need Amy on the radio listening to my father go, yeah, my son's a here because he's in love. She'd be like, uh, What? So, um, you know, my dad didn't know, and he kept asking me very suspicious questions. Yeah, straight up. He'd be like, So, surprise, like, Mel Cheerleader, I didn't really, so you know I love you, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hugged you enough growing up. I'm like, What are you asking? What are you getting at? He's like, Hey, it's okay. I love you no matter what. My brother, simultaneously, when I was a Mel Cheerleader, he was a rugby player at OU. He used to introduce me to his friends, as is my little brother. He's an athletic supporter at Baylor. <laughs> Which, if you don't know what that is, ladies, that's a jockstrap. So let's just say I was getting a little bit of flack. And so I just went pale white. And she actually looked and went, whoa, oh my gosh, are you feeling okay tonight? And I'm like, no. Because at that very moment, I realized... You know, up until that moment, I was the male cheerleader to meet the girl, get married, and have babies. Now, I was just a male cheerleader. And I was like, that was not my life goal. And it was so devastating. And the more, because you spend so much time with each other. And I was just like, okay, well, I obviously have to move on. Two and a half years later, it's the end of my junior year, end of her senior year, and I am miserable. I have not dated since meeting her the, because all the other girls, comparatively, were losers. And, and I was just so unhappy because the thing that I desired most in my life was a disaster. The girl of my dreams was engaged to another guy. They were actually getting married December 5th, 1994. This is May of 94. And so... I finally, and this, you know, I want to encourage you, because we really do wait too long to, to bring God into the equation through prayer, right? We always wait till, till it's a crisis, right? Until we've hit rock bottom and maybe I should try God on, right? But we do, and he still loves us anyways. And so I finally just started praying over and over and over and over and over again, God, you know who I'm in love with. That's not working out. So, can you flush her out of my system? Because I, I want to meet the girl that will replace her. There was like a mass exodus. Oh. This is kind of hurtful. I'm not going to lie. 17,000 people just left the room. Sorry, my love story. Is not good enough for you? You beasts. Just kidding. Love you. Go with God. Is that a thing that you can say? Oh, the worship team. Oh, I'm really in trouble now. (laughs) I'm probably going to hell fast. Darn it. That's funny. So (laughs) that was just weird. I was like, I've done something wrong. (laughs) I don't know what rule I broke, but I definitely broke one. So I'm praying, and and I want you to pay attention to this prayer because Christ shows us In Scripture, in the New Testament, as it was recorded, how to pray. You've got to start praying for what's on your heart. It it doesn't, I don't really care if it's a good thing or a bad thing, if it's what should happen or not. Because we can always protect our prayer life by ending every single prayer. But ultimately, Lord, I want your will done, not, right? That's how you protect it. Because just in case you're curious, your plans for your life are stupid, Can you just receive that? (laughs) So whatever it is you're concocting to save your marriage or to help your child is dumb. Right? You want God's will, not yours. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pray specifically for things to change. And it could end up being God's will. I don't know. I just know in my own life, God's will has always been super random and very bizarre. It's like God makes sure that nobody's going to think you did this. This is clearly me. And my love story is one of those. Because as I'm praying for probably two, three weeks, every day, nine, ten, t- ten times a day, Lord, you know who I'm in love with. It's Amy. It's not working out well. Um, I want to meet the girl today that's going to replace her. And would you flush Amy out of my system? But I want I want your will done, not mine. And, and For the first few weeks, it was kind of a, not a genuine, but I want your will done, not mine, because that's another big part of grit, is grit takes surrender, right? Like if you're going to hang in there in a highly difficult situation, especially in a relationship, because you realize you were created for two things, to be in relationship with God and relationship with others. That is all that matters. And that is the thing that is most important to you, which is why when our marriage especially is messed up, oh, is it not? I mean, nothing can make us more miserable than our spouse. You know, when Jesus said, love your enemies, that's your spouse. (laughs) Like, get that in your head, because the enemy is not a terrorist. Why would Jesus waste time saying, now, you'll never meet a terrorist, but I want you to love them and turn it. No, you run away from terrorists or shoot them. Okay, the enemies are the people in your life that hurt you, that don't love you as you deserve to be loved. Right? So all of Christ's commands, when it, especially when it comes down to grit, is not loving easy people well. It's loving difficult people well. Do you, do you get the difference? Because on that day, many come to me and say, cry out, Lord, Lord, and Jesus looks at him and says, what? Get out of here, fool. I never knew you. I'm paraphrasing. And then what do these people do? And, and keep in mind, these are not pedophiles, murderers, going, Lord, Lord, he's like, what? And they're like, oh, I know, I did kill people. Makes sense that you don't know me. Uh, they're sitting right here. That's the scariest unsaved person in the world is the one who thinks they are. Because it was, wait, I prophesied in your name. I did healings in your name. I cast demons out in your name. And Jesus goes, and yet I never knew you. How is that possible? How can you go to church, be a prophet, and never know how? It's because of how you treat others. That's that's Jesus' love language. His love language is obedience to his commands. Guess what his commands? Deal with two things. Love God with all your heart. And equally important is to love your neighbor as? Uh Uh-huh. So if you're not, if your heart isn't to desire responding in a Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit kind of way to someone who's being difficult, right? Someone who's being lazy, someone who's addicted, right? It's hard being married to an addict. I was addicted to food for 20 plus years. Totally powerless. It's a it's a scary thing to be married to an addict because it's just out of control and you're scared they're going to die and you're kind of usually headed towards an early death as an addict. And so it's, that was difficult for my wife, right? That's why the grit is so important. That's why That's that's how you're going to do the things that you're supposed to do to that difficult person in your life. But so here it is. And I finally, after weeks of praying this over and over and over and crying out to the Lord, it's my final day there. You know, I'm getting ready to go to Mexico for a summer abroad the very next day. And I'm driving on I-35, you know, outside of Waco, doing some final errands. And I'm crying out to the Lord, because you can pray and drive. It's okay. Right? You don't have to close your eyes. Unless you have a Tesla. Then you really could. That'd be interesting. Um, So I'm just crying out. And I think for the first time, I finally surrendered and said, because I was praying it. And I went, Lord, I want your will done, not mine. And it was like it hit me. Have you ever had one of those really dynamic Holy Spirit moments where it's like the Holy Spirit took a shape of a human and sat next to me? In the front. It was that palpable. And, and it was like the first time I went, well, actually, I really do want what you want. I've never asked, what is your will? Do you even want me to be married? I don't even have to get married in order to be happy because all I need is who? Yeah, he's all I need. And by the way, you too can be happy when your spouse is being a jerk and a knucklehead. Because, and listen to this if your spouse's bad behavior affects your feelings and hopelessness and negative and downtroddenness, guess what you've done? And I would argue the majority of Christian marriages do this. You've turned your spouse into an idol. Because you're saying, hey, you're not doing it right, and that I I can't survive this. I can't be satisfied in life because of your behavior. That's an idol. Do we agree with that? So having an idol is a bad idea. It really does mess things up. And so for the first time, I killed the idol of being married in my heart of hearts. It was like I released, I was like, whew! Now it doesn't matter, so I can just go on with my life. And the Lord, sitting next to me, goes, I want you to go immediately and say goodbye to Amy. I was like, hallelujah, right? I'm like, oh, and he's even going to flush her out. And I looked at him and was like, I will, but I'm almost, you know, where I got to drop this thing off, so I'm going to drop that off. And he's like, no. I said immediately, I'm like, I'm right here. I will go immediately after dropping off this thing. He's like, Michael, go down. Michael, one, two, don't make me get to three. But it felt like if I didn't go immediately, he was going to destroy the seed of 10,000 generations. I don't think I said that right. I don't know what seeds, (laughs) corn, broccoli. So, but it really was that, he was like, go now. And I was like, fine. So I turned off the highway, went straight to Amy's apartment, knocked on the door. She was on the phone talking to her fiance's dad about calling off the wedding when I knocked. The Lord told me to be there. She opened the door, saw me, who she thought of like a brother, which is a really bad box to get put into, I much prefer a friend box, because getting out of the brother box, you know, it's like some incestual feelings to get to the romantic part. I used to hate, when you're like a brother, I'm like, it's doomed. This is never going to happen. But she just started sobbing when I hugged her. I was like, what's going on? And she tells me through all these tears, and I can't wipe the smile off my face. It was so awkward. So I was like, oh, I am so sorry. Dang, man, I got Yes, you rock! And then, as I was hugging her and talking to the Lord, I said, I'm gonna tell her my feelings for her. Uh, ladies, how would that have gone? Uh, no bueno. Because it would have been selfish. That's not what she needed in that moment, right? And the Lord, very quickly, as I was hugging, he was like, wait, what? No! That is not my plan. I'm like, what is thou planned? He was like, it's not to tell her that. Trust me. I'm like, well, then what am I supposed to... This is all a conversation I'm having. What am I supposed to say? She's like, ooh. He's like, just ask her if there's anything you can do to help. I was like, I like your style. That's pretty smooth. So I did. And then it got bad. Oh, I was obedient. I said, hey, is there anything I can do to help? She's like, I don't know. Would any of your father's books help? I went, what? She's like, I don't, like, could your dad's books help us? I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, you're not a God. God, God, the God. You're like the Zeus God. Because I'm like, that's sick. The girl of my dreams is talking about ending the relationship, and now she wants my father's books to help her repair it. Next thing you know, I'm driving her to the mall to buy my dad's books to help her with the other guy who I don't use his real name, so I've always just called him Satan. <laughs> and I'm driving, and, and, and I'm going to close with this part because I'll continue this story on Sunday because I just don't have enough time. But on the way, this is how insane God is. The whole time, Amy remembers this too, by the way, because I was quiet. I was not talking because I was ticked. I was having a very stern conversation with the creator of the universe. (laughs) He can take it, trust me. Broad shoulders, doesn't get real stressed out when we're angry with him. And so I'm just going, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, this is gross. What what the heck? You know how I feel about her. How dare you make me help her? On the way to the mall, as I'm complaining to God, on I-35 again, there's a woman broke down on the side of the road. And I'm driving, I'm like, oh, perfect. Now there's another woman that needs my help. Because I was taught in my home, the most important thing was to honor God and honor women. So my dad was very, that's like the cardinal sin would have been for me to, which by the way, which was why I was a virgin. Because it's flat out dishonoring to to a lady to have sex outside of marriage, because dating relationships can't handle it, and if she got pregnant in high school or whatever, it wasn't because sex was bad. Sex is awesome, and it doesn't feel like you've been racked. (laughs) I learned that on my honeymoon. I was like, oh, this is much, much better. (laughs) And so sex is wonderful if it's in the context of the the rules. Like 409 is a great cleaner, right? But would you ever clean your, your... contacts with 409 does that make 409 suddenly evil just because it that outside of the context of what it's made for we following and so now i'm just like oh my gosh they're everywhere so i go hey i'm just gonna pull over make sure she's okay i get out and like tell me more women in distress walk up to her i'm like hey you know i'm not a weirdo I have my friend in the car. I'm helping her out, but I can see, like, there's flames coming out of her engine. Can I help? She's like, oh, sweet. She's probably in her 60s. She's like, oh, you are so sweet. What's wrong with my engine? And I looked at her and I went, let me try this again. Hi, I'm a Mel cheerleader. (laughs) She laughed. I went, I have no clue about engines, but I could dance for you, carry you to safety. And she laughed. She goes, no, I'll be fine. I went, all right. Now, ladies what are you thinking as a 22-year-old driving with your 21-year-old brother friend when he gets out to help this woman? What's going through your head? Oh, right? It's like, wow. That, I mean, it, it, that stands out to women, gentlemen. Serving and honoring other women. Stands out in a big way. So that filed away. She was like, man, he is just so sweet. And I'm still mad at God because I don't understand his plan yet. I, I haven't gotten clued into his will. Right now, it just seems cruel and unusual. I even hooked him up on a conference call with my dad, a private conference call. Yeah, uh-huh, that was lovely. His first conversation with his future daughter-in-law was over uh, counseling her with a Satan. <laughs> right? And so, here's why following god's will is so critical because you don't have a clue right as i've said earlier and that incident driving her to the mall god refused to allow me to to uh, pursue her romantically refused it was killing me but it was that incident driving her sacrificially to the mall to buy my own father's books that she it, it was like three weeks later. She still couldn't break the relationship off. She just couldn't break but she knew she was supposed to, and it just kept getting worse and worse. And they're finally on a couple's canoe trip, paddling down the Guadalupe outside of Austin. And their canoe is kind of getting behind the group. But in the middle of nowhere, wouldn't you know, there was a woman on the side of the river crying. And what do you think Amy said? oh my gosh, this woman's in trouble. We need to go help her, right? She's like in the middle of the forest crying. Something's clearly not right. And what do you think Satan would say? No, we'll get too far behind the group. We need to keep going. There'll be somebody else to help. Now, what do you think might have been the first thing that popped into Amy's head? Michael would have stopped, which is exactly what she needed when they parked or boated or... Porter, I don't know, what he's, is it park? Do you park a canoe? No one knows. is Michiganders. Dock. I like how you say that too. Doc. Um, they, so literally that incident, which God set up, happens. And that's when she took her ring off when they docked the canoe and said, I'm out. Because she knew there's other guys out there that are better than what this is. This is not what I want for my life. At the same time, oh, I'll save it. I'll save it for Sunday. Because it's 8.36. Because you won't believe what God woke. I was in Mexico. He woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to do something. And it's going to blow your mind. But that will happen first service on Sunday. All right? All right. Thank you. So I will close in prayer. Oh, hey, worship team that I shamed. (laughs) Be truthful, I don't even feel bad about it. Lord, just thank you for tonight. Thank you for Cornerstone, uh, in particular for the worship team, most importantly for the worship team. But I do ask in Jesus' name that you just give each and every person in this room more grit, more staying power, more passion more intensity to pursue the things of God, the things that you command of us, Lord, because they're really hard things. Um, It's hard to love someone who's being difficult. So I know they need a lot of grit. And just build the grit in Cornerstone, Lord, and pastor and the staff, and just bless them and continue to encourage them. That's all this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: We'll go ahead and close with one song of worship. All right, let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Michael. That was awesome. I look at
1: the this is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross.
0: Has a resource table out there if you'd like to check that out. Also, uh, the grit—I uh, just know a little bit about the story. The grit was just this fairy tale romance. They get married, and they needed grit to stay married, even though they had this supernatural relationship. Grit was—were you blessed tonight? That was great, wasn't it? Awesome. All right, so don't forget Comedy of Love. You can buy the tickets. Man Up tickets as well they are on sale. You did a great job, Brother Michael. Thank you so much. God bless you.